You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. So Bob Stern from The Ticket. Uh, he hosts the Hardline, the afternoon drive show on the ticket, and then he also writes for The Athletic. He has a couple sayings that I really like. One is you don't apologize for wins. So are wins sometimes frustrating? Even though you win, is it still sometimes frustrating how your team played? Yes. Is it always pretty? No. But at the end of the day, it's difficult to win. Usually Bob's talking about the NFL when he says this, but plug in whatever sport, whatever level, it's hard to win games especially win games on the road. So you don't apologize for getting victories. Another thing he likes to say is uh, they don't ask you how, they ask you how many. So at the end of the year, you know, you're looking at a resume, right? Like you don't nitpick and kind of pick and choose and say, well, uh, they only beat this team by five or whatever. What, what was the circumstances in which they beat this team? Now, in the case of the NCAA tournament, there's a little bit of that. But for the most part, you're just looking at who did you beat, when did you beat them, were these quad one wins, quad two wins, whatever. So, TCU on Monday night, they get a victory over Oklahoma, 72-63. to And I'm going to spend a little bit of time complaining tonight. And maybe it's just because the game just ended as I'm recording this. And the late game struggles continue for TCU. Now, to their credit, like, they have done this time and time again. Where they've had a big lead, feels like they're in total control. And honestly, aside from, like, the Iowa State game, they did pretty well against LSU on Saturday. There's been a lot of this, where end-of-game possessions, they struggle. Shooting free throws, they struggle. And they just let teams creep and get closer and closer and you know on Monday night they were up 12 with about six minutes left they were up nine with two and a half minutes left and Mike Miles misses a couple free throws before that they just had some empty possessions where they're just turning the ball over they turned the ball over again in the backcourt Francisco Farabella got trapped and he tried to you know do a cross-court pass to Mike and it didn't work so, it looks like, all of a sudden, it's a five-point game, and Oklahoma has the ball with 33, 33 seconds left and a chance to either cut it to a three-point or a two-point game, essentially cut it to a one-possession game. Now, thankfully, they missed their shot. Damian Ball got the rebound. He hit a couple free throws. Oklahoma turned the ball over, and that was the ball game. But this is a consistent problem with this team, is just at the end of the game, when they're trying to milk the clock, they completely lose the rhythm of their offense. And I don't know what the solution is. Now, one thing, this is a pet peeve of mine just in basketball in general, right? Into the half situations, into the game situations, teams get in this mode where they just put a guy at the top of the key and they try to clear out and they wait for 15, 20 seconds and then they bring a big man up to set a screen and it's basically just kind of, okay, you take the pick and you do what you need to do off that action. And I feel like it just makes your offense so stagnant. 
And TCU especially struggles with this mightily because they don't, I mean, to be honest, they don't have great ball handlers. Like Mike Miles, he turns the ball over too much. He's just not as confident as he needs to be with the basketball on his hands. Damian Ball, I love him. I love his confidence, but he's a little out of control. And I'm going to circle back to like this. This is something that happened before halftime. So they're up by three points. And it's, I believe they're up 36-33. And they're trying to run down the clock to get a bucket at the end of the half. And they had just gotten a nice stop. And so it's a good situation, right? You hit a three there, you're up six. You get a bucket, you're up five going at halftime. But at the very least, you run down the clock, you miss a shot. Okay, you're up three at halftime, you go into the locker room. Well, so they do this, right? They put Ball at the top of the key. They just sort of let him dribble it out, and then they bring a screen, you know, a screen, and he tries to work off of it, and he just loses the ball, like he loses the basketball. And Oklahoma goes down and scores. Now it's a one-point game before half, and ultimately it's just a two-point swing, or I guess maybe a four-point swing if you want to factor in they could have made a shot. But it's like these are pivotal moments in the game. Like you have to find a way to execute better. And again, at the end. Tonight, like just turning the ball over, not making their free throws. They have to find a balance between, okay, we need to milk the clock. We need to run this down. We need to limit possessions because we have a significant lead. But we have to stay in the rhythm of our offense. Because on the positive side, there was a stretch in this game where they could not miss. I mean, everybody was eating. Like, Xavier Cork put Tanner Groves in a blender at one point. Jacoby Coles had a floater off the bounce that rolled in. Damian Ball had an off-balance shot off the glass. They hit a three. They hit a long two. Like, they were just cooking Oklahoma on offense. Really, for the first, you know, 30 minutes of the game, I mean, the entire first half, they shot the ball really well. They carried that into the second half. They pushed the lead out to 14. It looked like they were going to win comfortably. And then, of course things turn, but ultimately they held on. So like we, we will stay with the positive in that you don't apologize for wins. You don't apologize for wins on the road. It's another quad one victory. You're now four and three in the big 12. You have an opportunity now, if you beat K-State at home to be five and three, and then hopefully you can kind of hold on for dear life in the last 10 games of the season in which you're going to play Tech, Kansas, and Baylor five times. You get West Virginia a couple times as well. I mean, there will be opportunities to get victories, but it's going to be tough. But when they play those teams down the road, it would be nice if in these situations they could execute better because you have to close well. You might not be able to build up a 10 or 12-point lead against some of the top teams in this league. You have to find a way to execute better in these late-game situations. Now, another big positive. I'll tell you, before the season... One thing that we heard about was Eddie Lampkin, he's slimmed down, he's in better shape, and I was happy for him, I was proud of him, but I honestly didn't know what that would mean for the team. Eddie Lampkin is a baller, man. He has been fantastic. Like, it doesn't always show up in the stat sheet. He's not a dude that's going to put up 16 a game, but he rebounds, he brings energy to the floor, he just gives you good minutes. And tonight he was fantastic. 7 of 7 from the field, 14 points, 10 boards. He did it all. Two assists. He's a really gifted passer, like especially post to post. He had a dump off to Emmanuel Miller tonight. That was great. And Miller's another dude I want to highlight because when he was on the floor, it was just a completely different team. Like you can tell the defense is so much better 
when Miller's out there chasing guys down, closing the gap. He is so good at recovering, closing out on the perimeter, challenging things at the rim. He had nine points on four or seven shooting. Damian Ball had 20 points. He was eight of 13. He's really turned into a great player. Mike Miles struggled from the field. He was three of 11, had 11 points. He did have a big bucket late. It's just not coming consistently for him. They got it done, though, man. They continue to find ways to get victories, and that in itself is impressive because it's hard to win in this league. It is. They swept Oklahoma. They were 0-14 all the time in Norman coming into this game. They got they found a way to get a victory. So, good job. <laughs> like, keep, keep turning out the wins. As I said, at the end of the year, you're going to sit up there, and it's, gonna look, it's just going to be a piece of paper that says, here's what TCU did. And they're not going to focus on the fact that they almost blew this game, but they're going to focus on the fact they were able to get it done. So it's an impressive victory for the squad. And I love what their – I love their toughness. I love their mental toughness, their ability to hang in there. I just – I hope they can find a way to win some of these games with a little less adventure as the season goes on. Signing day is Wednesday. We'll discuss that next. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. All right, segment two here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Uh, TCU football trying to close out their signing class on Wednesday. Of course, the transfer portal, I mean, there's still opportunities to add players after Wednesday. This will just be the cutoff for the high school class. And I do want to hit a transfer portal note before we get started. Uh, TCU got another commitment. I talked about Traylon Smith on Monday, the Arkansas running back. This is a defensive lineman from UConn, Luol Ugak. Now, if you've been following college football lately, which I'm sure you have, since you're listening to this podcast, UConn has been a punchline for a few years now in the college football world. So you might sort of, your eyebrows might sort of raise when you see UConn defensive linemen. Um, I'll say this, he was really productive in 2019, had four sacks, uh, you know, 11 tackles, eight assisted tackles, and got to the quarterback a little bit. Now, in 2021, did not get to the quarterback as far as sacks go. Did have 15 solo tackles and 19 assisted tackles. Um, had one forced fumble back in 2018. So, in 2020, UConn canceled their season due to COVID. So, we missed an entire year. I don't know how much of a factor that was in you know this season. Just not necessarily maybe having um, – the ability to kind of build on a really good year in 2019, but he does have good size. I'll tell you that he's 6'5", 280 pounds, defensive end. Um, he's from Canada, which is interesting. And, you know, I'm, I would think he's more of a hand on the ground defensive end in this new scheme, but we'll see if they also have any interest in moving him to the inside. Again, I think it's a solid, solid addition. I mean, I just feel like if anything, it's some more depth. This D-line Really, really struggled last season. So, um, you know, it's a name to know. He's committed, and we'll see what he does when he gets there. But Luol Ugak, uh did not have a sack last season, but did have four sacks in 2019, and he'll be joining the Frogs. Another ad in the transfer portal. They continue to be aggressive in that regard. TCU, that is, as they try to uh, build and replenish that roster as the new staff kind of gets their feet under them. Now, from a high school perspective, a name to mention, and it's a, a four-star wide receiver from Gladewater. In some ways, he was kind of the crown jewel of the uh, the old staff's class, the previous staff's class. Four-star wide receiver, DJ Allen. 
He was committed to TCU. He eventually decommitted. He's been kind of quiet about where he might go, but that's a name to watch. If they could find a way to land him, I think it would be significant. Now, wide receiver, skill position in general, I honestly think TCU is in a pretty good situation there. Like, I don't feel like it's going to make or break the season in any way, but DJ Allen, physical, large, fast kid, another guy to add to Sonny Dyke's offense. And it's a position group I'm excited about with Quentin Johnston, um, with Darius Davis and Tate Barber coming back on the inside. Savion Williams, can he kind of get back to form? Uh, Quincy Brown, Sticks, can he build on what was kind of a nice finish to the season for him once Quentin went down with an injury? Um, DJ Allen would be another good addition. Then AJ Allen, the running back from Louisiana, is another name to watch. Now, he had a visit with Nebraska. He tweeted that out um, last week. So they're a school that's going to be a factor there. Mississippi State has also been hot on his heels trying to get him to commit. And AJ was like when the transition happened, he was very adamant that he was going to stick around. But, you know, things change. He's got different opportunities. He's got different things going on. I would say, and I don't say this to be like a sunshine pumper in any way, and I don't even say this to like deter your expectations for Wednesday. I just think, you know, don't, whatever happens, whether they end up getting both those guys and have a really strong finish to the class, don't go crazy and just think that's the best thing in the world, but also don't lose your mind if, if they don't end up with those guys. And it's sort of a smaller high school class because they've been aggressive in the transfer portal. This was a shorter off season for them. Um, yeah, this is what they've done. They've built a lot of the excitement around their ability to recruit the new staff there is. So is there a little bit of concern if they can't finish somewhat strong? Sure. But I would just let things play out, right? Let things kind of happen. And we'll see where it all ends up when the season ends. But, um, yeah, those are some names to know for Wednesday. We'll come back with our Big 12 roundtable, and then we'll also have some more National Signing Day coverage the rest of the week. This is Lockdown Horn Frogs, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.